There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry. Those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Captivity can go far beyond the companies you represent. It starts between your ears and its impact is felt in every corner of your business. We're all about helping agency principals and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. If your goals are big enough, you're going to have to get uncomfortable to be able to reach them. Our team at RiskWell is living this out every single day. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and everything I learn along the way. We deliver relevant, tactical, and actionable content from industry peers, innovative partners, and a variety of leaders from other business verticals. We're not holding anything back. There's no upsell, no guru pitch, and no fluff. It's time to unshackle yourself from captivity and make your freedom jump with the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. Hey, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. We help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. And my guest for this episode she really doesn't need an introduction. If, unless you've been hiding under a rock, uh, you know uh, Mama Vonda, as some people call her. Uh, I simply know her as Vonda. Uh, she is Miss Copeland, Mrs. Copeland, Vonda Copeland, from the great state of Kansas. Welcome to AFP, lady. How are you? I am great. Thank you. No, I really appreciate you being here. You know, you and I had to reschedule a couple of times for various reasons. One on your end, one on my end, but here we are. And man, I could not be happier to spend the next 45-ish minutes with you, uh, just chopping it up and uh, delivering real value to the industry that you and I both love uh, and thousands of our peers out there in podcast land. So, you know, I... Absolutely. I have the privilege of having you after Nashville. Originally, when we were going to record this, it was going to be like a spotlight speaker preview sort of thing, but that ended up not happening. So we get uh, the no holds barred, you know, like off script, Vonda. You can go wherever you want oh, wow. and, and talk about literally whatever you want. I I do want to get. See, that could be really dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, and you know we're recording because it's a podcast, so anything you say will come back later. People are like, hey, what was that thing you were talking about on AFP? Oh, man. (laughs) So why don't you start us off for the folks that don't have a clue who you are, where you came from. I'd love to to hear about, you know, your start uh, in in your career, how you got into the industry, uh, and catch us up however you please uh, to kind of current events uh, for you as an insurance professional, and then we'll go from there. Well, I always have everybody always has the strangest strangest stories of how they got into insurance because truly not enough people plan to get into insurance i wish we could do more to change that Mm -hmm. but i don't know that i've ever ever talked to anybody that that was just always their their life's dream (laughs) um and i'm no different uh thought never ever crossed my mind my husband had was in the agency. It was his family agency. His mom and dad had gotten into the agency in the 60s. And so he went there out of college, and I went into education. So I started out in accounting, didn't like it, uh, which is interesting because I do a lot of book work right now. But 
changed education and went out and taught math in the world. And so I taught school for about 16 years, 15, 16 years. Mm. Um, and then anybody that's ever heard a podcast that I was on um, already has the, the backstory that I, I came from a town of 400 people. Mm-hmm. Very small town. Um, nobody, nobody ever cared where we were on the map until Jordy Nelson grew up and went to play for the Green Bay Packers, and you know, then everybody knew where I was from. Uh, mm. So anyway, um, the uh, the small bank that was in that town. My mom worked there for like twenty five years, and during Y two K, some guy was had this big grand plan that he was going to go rob the bank, and in the end, my mom ended up getting murdered. And so fast forward through four years of just sheer um, hell for no other reason. Wow. Um, Because 85% of women that are murdered are murdered by their significant others or husbands or spouses, whatever. And and I get that. Even today, you know, you hear something on the news where a woman went missing or, you know, the, the famous hiking trip where they went camping in Yellowstone and stuff like that, you automatically think about, oh, it was the boyfriend that did it. He did it. He offed her. Um, and even though my dad was one of the 15% that did not, uh, he was treated like the 85% that do. And it was really tough. Mm. And it's really hard when you're in education because education is not flexible. You know, you have to schedule bathroom breaks and, So that was really hard to do what I needed to do Mm. being in a restricted situation. And so eventually I ended up, I was already doing the books and things at night and I just ended up quitting my job and doing that during the day to have the flexibility that I needed to go do what I needed to do. Mm. So, so you said this was Jay's family agency. So the whole time Mm -hmm. you were doing the accounting thing, Jay was trucking along in agency land. Yes. Well, yeah, he, he got in there right out of, out of college. I didn't come in until 2000. So hmm. I was the, the late and I was really the one that came in that automated things that put things on the computer, you know, hmm. put things on QuickBooks, you know, back in the day. Yeah. Um, they didn't have a lot of automation. They didn't have a lot of people that were comfortable with computers mm-hmm. even. Um, and I love technology. I'm kind of like the technology nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love trying out new things. If anybody ever wants to beta test a program, it's like I'm all in. You know, yeah. my staff is always like, oh, my gosh, what have you got us into now? Uh, but, you know, in the end, we get to to be a part of helping create a product. And, and I think they get proud of that, too. So eventually they forgive me until the next project. So real quick, for those that may not be aware, Vonda was on our Power Ladies podcast uh, episode, panel, I should say, Um, not podcast, podcast, that's just duplication there. Uh, She was on our our ladies panel back in May of 22. I forget, it was episode 50 something, like 53 or 54, something like that, I forget. So if you get to the end of this episode and you're thinking, man, I really like that lady. She's nice and has a good head on her shoulders. I'd like to hear more from her. We'll go back and check out the Power Ladies panel from uh, earlier this year, and you can have even more Vonda in your life. So, um, I w- Maybe too much. I don't know if there is such a thing, lady. Let's be honest. Um, I want to ask a couple of questions purely for selfish reasons because my lovely wife, Allison, uh, listens to every episode and tells me when I'm a goober or when I have weird lines of questioning so I can get better. Uh, 
this is something that she and I are trying to figure out. Um, how did you navigate the the family thing uh, of being uh, <laughs> at the same time of being you know a, a wife? I don't know how many kids you have. I think I've heard you reference kids before. So you're a wife and a mom at the same time you are an agency uh, you know co principal with Jay. How was that experience? Because from you seem like such a warm and maternal figure. I know that that's a part of your life. How did you balance those competing priorities? Oh, man. I think that Jay would probably laugh if he ever thought that I was described as warm and maternal because it's probably not how it's been as far as running the agency. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, we actually had a, had a staff meeting by Zoom this morning, and uh, you know we had this conversation about the checklist. You know, how important a checklist is mm-hmm. and get this checklist in there. And sometimes, you know, we, we love our Salesforce people, but they're not always the greatest at the detail stuff. And so I'm really trying to enlist the, the service staff to hold them, help me hold them accountable because I'm not in all the locations. I'm not seeing everything they're doing. Um, and so today on the call, I told them, I said, you know, you remind them and you, you tell them we have to have this. And I said, if they're not complying, then you send them to me. And I said, they'll probably do it within 24 hours because um, they tend to be a little bit more afraid of me. So mm. <laughs> anyway, it's kind of blew my, my warm and maternal. Uh, well, I'm going on uh, a very anyway. small limb here. <laughs> if you were to ask, you know, a hundred uh, women in our sphere if you are perceived as a warm and maternal figure, especially among the, the female professionals uh, in the BNC insurance world, I, I venture to say an extremely high percentage of them would say, yeah, yeah, she's definitely a mother figure. It's warm and maternal and takes care of her, you know, not that you're a hen, but you know what I mean, like the right. gathering under Vonda's no, and wings. I, and I think that is, I, I agree with that. I, I do feel that way. Um, I have some that just come in, you know, they'll close my door and they'll just sit on my office floor and say, hey, I need to talk to you for a minute. Yeah. And, and so I think that is true. But I'm also really a stickler on, you know, you do the do's and don't the don'ts. And if you don't do the do's and don't do the don'ts, then, you know, that's when, I, I don't know, the, the disciplinary teacher mm-hmm. comes out and it's like, okay, there are consequences here and we're yeah. going to figure these out. So. Um, I get to a point where I have just kind of a zero line to cross mm. on some of this stuff. Um, but overall, I'm, I'm sure that's, you know, and, and when my kids were growing up, yeah, I think my level of, of responsibility that I took in the agency grew as my kids grew. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they were young, I was still teaching and I didn't quit teaching until they were 10 and 14 or somewhere around in there. Mm. Um, I always kind of worried that we always involved our kids in work. Our kids a lot of times went to work with us and we had some ancillary businesses on the side that they would help with um, that are actually kind of hilarious stories in their own. Um, I bet. But uh, yeah, Um, you know, that's one thing I think there's a lot of insurance agents that are just really true entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, That would be Jay. And so we always had things that we could you know, to try to put with like, you know, we tried the real estate office with the insurance office and we've done the accounting or the, the accounting with the insurance and just different things. And, and so you name it, we've probably tried it. Um, 
hated it and quit it or wasn't the right person, went on to the next one or something like that, um, including having a convenience store operation for a while. Hmm. Um, yeah, that was the bane of my existence. Unfortunately, in Kansas, you only have to have one one signature to buy and two to sell. So that was, you know, that's a really hilarious story, depending on whether I tell it or whether Jay tells oh, it. Man. You know, <laughs> but, a part of my know, story that, that I don't... Uh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, the funny part of that is, is with that convenience store, you know, I'd go do the books at night at that too. And then, you know, my daughter, you know, went and made pizzas in there mm. and my son was, my son could put together a cigarette order at the age of eight. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Probably better than I could. <laughs> well, one of the, the things mm. that I did prior to insurance, I don't, I talk a little bit about it previously. Uh, but I, I ran two convenience stores on the campus of Stephen F. Austin uh, State University here in Texas. Uh, and, you know, that was my job for almost three years. And I was very, very good at keep, you know, running a tight ship and, you know, running inventory and processing SKUs. And, you know, when I got there, they had a, they had a point of sale, but they were manually keying prices in at the register. Like they had never going to the trouble of cataloging the barcodes and updating the, the point of sale software with the SKUs. So the little scanner gun didn't work. So I spent literally like three months of every spare moment at the office building the SKU database for uh, the point of sale. And by George, it worked. And that was my contribution to uh, Aramark, which is just a massive conglomerate. Uh, I mean, one of the largest if not the largest facilities and like uniform uh, service companies in the entire world. So you're welcome for your barcode scanner, Aramark. Yeah. Um, but you said convenience store and I started twitching well, a little bit because th that was I know. miserable. I, I, you know, I guess worst case scenario employee issues. I mean, how much worst case scenario can you get when dealing with employees in a convenience store? Man. Um, it makes insurance employees look like a piece of cake as far as I'm concerned. So, well, there's, I mean, you know. there is not a barrier to entry that's too low. It's a non-existent <laughs> barrier to entry. Can you fog a mirror? Are, are you actively high right now? Oh, not? Okay, well, then you're qualified to work at this convenience store. Yeah. Yeah, oh, man. Exactly. And card, card, card. Yep. <laughs> so, Whew. yeah, good times. We we had that for nine years, four months, 16 days, and 11 hours. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, minutes. buying a boat, right? You know what they say about, you know, the two best days in a boat owner's life. It sounds kind of like that, huh? Yeah. Oh, man. Exactly. So, so Allison is trying to figure out what her involvement in the agency looks like. Um, our son is five and started kindergarten this year. Our daughter is three and she, we're probably holding her back because her birthday is August 1st. So she's one of those kids where it could go either way, honestly. Um, but once, once our daughter is in school, Allison has already said she fully intends to you know, come back and be involved in the agency in some kind of way. On a, on a weekly basis. We're just trying to figure that out. So it's selfishly, I figured I'd ask you for advice on how to, you know, balance the being yeah. a great mom and wife and also being a, a, a high caliber professional at the same time. It's, you know, I, I hear people talk about this 
And they talk about, well, we leave it at the office. We don't bring it home. And we have defined roles. Can I call so BS? That doesn't seem like... And they like- make it sound like there's it's so easy to manage this. And I'm like, who are these people? And yeah. does that really work? Because, man, we sometimes we don't see each other until we get home. Mm-hmm. And so then it's I'm trying to bring him up to speed at this. And then he's trying to say, oh, I need you to check on this tomorrow. And it's like, we're 24-7 into yeah. this. Um, and that's, you know not saying that we don't unplug and, and go do something different, but it's pretty. And and the other thing too, is we're in Kansas. We're very community based. There's, there's just a lot of, of responsibility. I think that goes to a community based agency where people have always assumed you're going to be very accessible. Yeah. And, and that's just the way Jay grew up in the business. And it's the way I've always known it in the 22 years that I've been here. Um, so we took off last weekend just to go over to New York, um, cause I wanted to go see the fan of the opera before they shut it down and on Broadway. And I was, I took a call at 1030 Saturday night because some guy was trying to get roadside a service for his crew or something like that. And, you know, I spent, I don't know how much time on it until I figured out that he, he wasn't even our client anymore. He picked up the wrong ID card out of the vehicle. Oh my God. Um, wow. but still I was going to try to see if I could help him and it, you know, Anyway, but that's just that's just who we are, and yeah. it's we have very strong personalities too. So I think that has a lot to do with it as well. He's got a strong personality. I have a strong personality. We really clash, and then we just have to kind of figure out where we where we meet in the middle on it, mm-hmm. or who's going to win. <laughs> yeah, do you take <laughs> so, turns winning? Like you just roll a die yeah, and see what I don't happens. Know. I don't know. I you know that would mean that I would have kept score, and you know, surely I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Allison and I worked together literally elbow to elbow because we were in this tiny executive suite. If I mean, the people that listen to this podcast uh, and, and think, oh, man, you know, Riskwell seems like a cool place. It's like, yeah, but you should have seen us back in the day. We were in this little crap hole executive suite, and it was literally 150 square feet for Allison and I both uh, for a year and a half. Uh, and then she stepped away to, you know, have our, our first kiddo and hasn't been back officially since then. So I know that she and I work pretty well together. Uh, I, I tend to be the, you know, big ideas person to use EOS language. I'm the, the visionary and she's the integrator. Uh, she's the one who cracks the whip on my back and keeps me in line. I know that's a shock to exactly zero people, but yeah. Um, really looking forward to that. Like, I'm excited to hear that, you know, yeah. from 10 and 14 with your kiddos, you know, there's a lot of years where you were both, you know, agency principal and mom with kids at home. So, yeah. um, I know, you know, you were successful at it from, you know, stuff that you've shared, you know, previously. And that's really cool. Good for you. And that's gotta be a, a, well, a feather in like your our cap. Kids, you know, I feel like our kids, even though I have always worried that we focus too much on work, but our kids are really responsible adults in the world and they 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 work hard and they they work hard a lot harder than i think other people give that generation credit for Mm -hmm. and so at that point i kind of feel like we did something right as far as instilling that in them and they understand the the um the responsibilities that go with that uh our daughter's actually on the company side um and uh, she used to be a rep, and now she's a sales director. But sh- I feel like she's got a very good sense of what agencies want to see out of their company people because she grew up in this. So I think it makes her a lot more empathetic. 
Um, so anyway, it's it's good. So can I we, they survive? Can I pivot awkwardly and go to what you were talking about in Nashville? Uh, for those that didn't have the privilege of hearing your presentation, you want to give us the the Cliff Notes version. The Cliff Notes version, or I mean, take as Basically, long as you want. We we've, we've got yeah, all the time in the no. world here. It's a uh, it's really just a restructuring of how you look at a process. Um, I talked about how it's so easy to look at new business. Everybody looks at new business. What's your new business goals for 2023? Um, most people are trying to put those numbers down right now, but um, I think it's really equally important to look at what you're retaining. And, and if you're not retaining it to figure out why uh, we triage a lot around here. Um, anytime something goes wrong, you know, we're looking at it and it's like, okay, what happened? What do we need to do? That's why we're talking about checklists this morning mm -hmm. uh, because we had a really bizarre claim. And so we were looking at it and there's always, you know, claims like that where you, there's things you wish you would have done differently. You know, that's, of course we all have that, you know, look back, it's easy, but we did the right things. We didn't always document the right things. And I could go into the company websites and I could see where we had done things but I wish the documentation would have been a little tighter in different places mm -hmm. as far as this claim goes. And so it's just where we go in and we triage that and cancellations are the perfect time to triage uh, and to find out. And the whole point is you have to look at it as getting fired. And that was the really the whole point that I was trying to drive home is if you look at it as you got fired, it becomes a lot more personal than, okay, they just canceled their coverage. Yeah, because you look at that and it's like, OK, yeah, I lost that commission Then I need to go back out and, you know, write two more. I've heard that a lot, too. It's like, OK, I lost this account. Now I just need to go back and write two more. Well, why did you lose that account? You know, why did you get fired? And the example I used at, at IAOA was one that had just happened in our office that I'd gotten a notice from a company saying this this company had done an AOR and we're taking their business somewhere else with another broker. And so I forwarded that to the agent and I'm like, what happened? Why did you get fired? And he's like, I don't know. He, it was totally out of the blue for him. And he went and made a visit to that office and found out that the guy had brought his nephew in as his bookkeeper and probably the one to take over the business. And this nephew had a different contact than what the owner did and was switching everything over to this new contact. And so what we learned from that, what we talked about on the next Salesforce call, when we have all of our sales agents together, is we talked about, look, here's an opportunity. You need to take your renewal list, you know, your checklist of what you do at renewal, and you need to add perpetuation plan at the bottom of it. And you need to talk to your people about, you know, what do you have for your plans in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years? It doesn't matter if that person's 35, 40 years old. You know, what do they, where do they want their businesses to go? Yep. Where do they see themselves in 10 years from now or whatever? And, and then ask them, you know, do you have people you want to bring in to the business? Because that would have been a perfect opportunity for the agent to say, Hey, that's great. Can you set up a time where I can have lunch with them? I can kind of talk about what the coverages are on your policy. I can maybe give them some recommendations of things that we've talked about in the past that he may want to think about in the future. And you become that resource, that helpful person to help them transition. And then maybe he would have had that relationship with him 
before he got into a power to where he could fire him. Mm. Uh, not to mention the fact that there's all these things you can do as far as buy sell agreements and yeah. life insurance and all that kind of stuff. That's that where you my head do went to instantly. Be that person, and, yeah, to be the source for that person to help them establish this, and so it just opens up a whole nother area to be able to try to re- not only retain that client but to have been a better partner for them. Yeah, to be able to to retain it and not get fired. But if we hadn't ever triaged that, it would have just been something, oh, they got an AOR, we're going to lose it. And, and there, there's just a real big opportunity there to, to make sure it doesn't happen again and to refine your processes to, make, to, to help your retention. And I feel like... And add lines of business, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is something that we're in the very middle of right now. We are onboarding a firm... Uh, that is going to help us be really, really fast and efficient with, you know, having the life insurance conversation. We're going to be outsourcing some of the more complex cases to them and collecting a nice split on the revenue for literally zero work. We just make the introduction and then step back and let the pros do their thing. But we're going to be able to put a, a widget on our website and add for the first time in three and a half years, add life insurance and disability and long-term care once I properly vet uh, this vendor, I, I'll be happy to share with the podcast world, but I got to make sure that they do exactly what they're supposed to consistently for a while before I put my name on a recommendation. But you know, anybody who's been around me for a while is, is going to go, what? Riskwell's doing life insurance? I thought you said you hate life insurance. I would never do it. I was like, well, that was in the past. And my thoughts on the subject have evolved. Uh, namely because, one, taking good care of the client, two, protecting our flank so other agencies don't have access to you know, get in the door with one of our accounts, and three, selfishly, it's a whole lot of money. It is a lot of money on first-year commission. It's virtually no work on the policy after it's in force. If it's a standard you know, 20-year term or whatever, you, know, you can upsell for something else later on, but most of the disability stuff is turnkey. You, you talk to them once or twice a year. There's no certificates. There's no service request. The only time you get a claim is if somebody dies. And that doesn't happen very often, thankfully. So I, I imagine, you know, six to 12 months from now, I'm going to be singing a very different tune than I was in 2019, 2020. Um, yeah. And I, I love, you know, what you just said about, you know, adding that question to your renewal flow because it's certainly going to uncover opportunities that you wouldn't know about. The The pivot I'd like to make on that point, and, and have you talk about this too, Vonda, it is being willing to be vulnerable and the value that comes from vulnerability. The, the lessons that you get to learn when you ask uncomfortable questions. Nobody likes to lean into getting fired. Nobody wants to think, oh, I didn't give them what they needed. I failed in my job somehow because they fired me. They fired my office. Talk about that for a little bit. The the process of, you know, you know, validating this vulnerability and this willingness to be emotive uh, in in your job role. As far as the triage part. Yeah, like we look about, how do like, you engage with the client? Yeah. How do you deal with the psychology? Like with running your team, leading your your agency, you know, leading well, out. You can actually run that. You can lead with that with your clients too. I have had 
CSRs that have talked to me about conversations because they started using that wording with their clients. When the client started talking to them about, you know, I need to cancel this, then, you know, I've had people that have said, you know, well, I'm, I'm going to have to tell my boss why you fired me. And then they're like, I'm not firing you. And they're like, yeah, you are. Because you're, you know, I have these, this access to so many companies that I could do quotes for you if it was just a matter of changing companies, but you're changing agencies, which means you're firing me. Um, and so because of that, some of them are a lot more able to get a hold of new policies mm. and then they get a hold of new policies. And we had one in particular where it was the same company that we had. And when we ran it, we were $400 difference. And we're like trying to figure out how they came up with $400. Well, the reason was they hadn't run the reports yet. And this guy had terrible credit. Um, and then, you know, when you run the reports, they, if you don't, if you don't run the reports, the quote comes out at neutral credit. And so once you run the reports, the majority of people that have decent to good credit, it, it, it comes out better. But for those people that have bad credit, and neutral becomes worse and then the premium goes up. Yeah. And in this case, that's what happened was, you know, the other agency hadn't run the reports. And, and so because she was like, well, you know, why are you firing us? He's like, I'm not, but look, you know, this is what they can do. And, and she told him, she goes, this is, this is not a valid quote for you because she says, when I ran it, you know, this is why. And he said, she said, you need to go find out why it's not the same. And so then we ended up retaining that customer hmm. because of that verbiage that there's been a couple of times that we've been able to pick that up to where they will actually give us their policy, their quote that they're leaving us for so that we can look at it. And sometimes it's like, God, we can't touch that. You know, it's yep. like some other companies coming in, the captives hitting it just right, you know, where we can't touch it. And then we tell the people, you know, hey, we can't touch this, but, you know, everybody responds to this at some point. So when this goes up and you're shopping again, please come back. And, and we get people back a year later, that kind of thing. Um, but we, it was the process too, that we started where, you know, it starts with a good breakup. And so we looked at our processes and, and we, all of our CSRs, we got together and we worked on this for several weeks and we came up with a process of, you know, when they call in, this is what you do. This is the wording. We have the scripts that we went through and, you know, to try to be able to get, what they're going to, to find out, to make sure it's got all the coverages and that they just didn't, you know, wipe out coverages. Um, mm. you know, we had one where they were missing like an entire location. And so we were able to say, Hey, this is cheaper because, you know, <laughs> they're missing an entire location and that's going to make it closer to where we're already at. Um, yep. and then, and then to be able to send out like a, a handwritten thank you note for their business in the past so that, and, and I give them a script of what they can write so that it doesn't take them like 30 seconds. Because a lot of them are like, I don't know what to write. Fine. Here's what you need to write. You know, you can go off script or whatever and add more. But here's just three or four basic lines. Write it out in your own handwriting. You know, nothing can be printed, you know, typed or anything like own handwriting. You took the time to do that. And then that's the last thing they get is that handwritten note from whoever processed their cancellation. And then they get the automation from um, where I manually ran the automation, but it only takes me about 15 minutes once a month to just key in. I want this person, this person, this person, because on the spreadsheet, we also categorize them into people that we want back and people that we don't want back. Mm. And it's pretty amazing on our cancellation list, two thirds of the people that cancel, we don't want back. And so then we're only looking at maybe the third of the people that we really do want back or have the opportunity to get back. 
Yeah. And so with, those are the ones we target with automation. Well, the automations, like I, I'll never do this, of course, because it would be completely unprofessional. But there's always been this thing in the back of my head when someone's just a giant pain in the butt. You know, they're rude, they're obnoxious, they're impatient, they talk down to your staff. Just your your textbook awful client where you're just like, for the love, would you just go away? You're clearly a mis- yeah. just go away. And when they finally leave, you, right. you almost want to send them a little something like a picture of all your staff like waving by, like, <laughs> bye. Or Happy like a dance. picture of a party yeah. is like, hey, we're throwing a party. Yeah. Want to know why? Because you left and we're really glad yeah. you're gone. So obviously I will yeah. never do that, but man, you know how it is on you know, Friday afternoon when you're yeah. laughing with your team. It's like, wouldn't it be funny if dot, 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 and everybody has oh, you know, a little cathartic thing. I have to tell thing. you, speaking of terrible automation that doesn't work, we had a customer that he was terrible. He, he turned us into the insurance department twice because the company needed something more on his claim and they thought he provided, he, they thought he committed fraud on some of his documentation. So then he would send us to the insurance department because, and we weren't, we couldn't even get information from the company. There was nothing we could do, but I had to write the response out, send it back and they had to clear it. He was just a giant pain in the butt. And so when it, it was going to cancel because he didn't comply with all the things they'd asked him to anyway. And so the CSO, I said, just, you know, he's going to cancel. We do not want him back. Do not let him come back into the agency. And so the CSR went into his name in the system. And on his first name, his name was Thomas dash never, ever, ever write again, exclamation point, like 20 exclamation points or however many filled the space. I know where this and is I going. And I saw that. And I thought that I, thought, I laughed when I first saw it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's automation like birthdays and things like that that I don't control that just goes. So I, I called the CSR and I said, you've got to get that fixed now. Because I wasn't even thinking, but if an automation would have happened in that time period that we had it, then that's how it would say his name on this this email that goes out. And I'm I'm like, oh my gosh. I said he'd probably go ballistic on us. And you I would said, have a third complaint that to the Department happened. of Insurance. But like Yeah, they then I really would have had me. to uh, answer to that. Yeah. Oh man. So I would have had trouble answering to that oh, one. But it was like I looked at it and I laughed at first and then I'm like, oh my gosh, automation. We have, uh, you know, some other things, but that was the other thing I talked about at IAOA is, you know, sometimes things just don't work Mm -hmm. when it comes to automation. Cancellations are ones that really don't work because how are you going to send something, uh, somebody at automation on a cancellation and maybe they, they sold their boat. So they cancel their watercraft policy and they get this cancellation and you're like, but I have the rest of my coverage with you. You know, I didn't cancel everything. Yeah. And then they're, they're feeling bad or, you know, the person died, you know, and you're like, Oh, sorry to see you go. You know, if you want to bring us your coverage again, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and that would be mortifying. So there's just a lot of reasons. And then there's the time where you can't figure out why they got that cancellation email because you go through everything and you can't figure out why they got it. You know, sometimes it was a payment that was late. So then it canceled, then it reinstated. Yep. And then by the time they get that automation, it's already been reinstated. And then they think there's a problem. So then they call all, all freaked out. And so we finally did shut, we just shut it down because it's like, we couldn't figure out how to just pick the ones that, it, that really did cancel for the right reasons. And so that was the, the other issue is that cancellations are very hard to automate like the win back campaigns. Yeah. And I don't know, 
I think there's a lot of people that have win back campaigns that have things going out that if they're not paying attention to it, it's the wrong message going out. Yeah. And so that's why I have, I don't have a, have a campaign set up. I have broadcast emails that I have to go in and actually list who I want it to go to, but I can list like eight or 10 people. So with our entire agency, there may be only five to eight people in a month that canceled that I even want back. Wow. If that many. And so I can, that I can clip their names and, and send that out and it doesn't, you know, I can send the, the, the series out and it doesn't take that long, but so auto, I, to just send a campaign out, I would be really leery about that. So I, I, we used to do this a lot consistently, you know, a bunch of episodes ago and somewhere along the line, uh, we stopped doing it consistently, but you know, it seems like a great time to bring it back with you. Uh, I'd love to get just some basic rundown of your agency profile. You know, how many locations, how many team members, you know, relative revenue, if you're comfortable sharing that, any specialization your agency has, uh, you know, give us the, the nuts and bolts of the, the Copeland Insurance Agency. We have, currently we have nine locations. Okay. And they're all right now in Kansas. They are probably from east to west, they're probably about four and a half hours apart. And so we have a lot of agencies that are in some really small towns, you know, like we have one that's in a thousand people. That's the original office. Uh, we have one that's in like 3000 people, 5,000 people, 50,000 people. And then we have like Kansas city. We have a location there, Topeka, which is our capital. That's probably a hundred thousand population. Um, so it just kind of really varies. And then, we might have just a couple people in one location, or we may have eight to 15 people in another location. Uh, overall, we have about 50 people in the office, in, in, in all of those offices. Um, and so we've, and we've, we stay pretty consistent on that. And I would say that we've got through all age levels, we, we tend to try to bring in at least one or two newer, younger agents every year that are in the, that next generation. Uh, so when you look at our cross section, we really do have a really nice flow of, of age levels, which is kind of nice. Um, we're not really an, an aging out agency. I would say we have, um, a, a good mix so that we can bounce ideas on like, what do you want for automation? What do you want for services and technology and things like that? Mm -hmm. Um, we being in Kansas, we're high, high into the agribusinesses. You know, we do a lot of farms. We do a lot of livestock, livestock haulers, trucking. Um, we had a niche, we have a niche market that just deal, deals with custom harvesters. And for those we write all over the country. Um, we don't write as many because we don't have the program that we used to have, but we've created some policies with that we have exclusives on. Um, just because we know some of the, like fire in the field, that's something that a lot of people don't think about. But for a harvest policy, you have to have that because if they go out in the field, they set the field on fire, that becomes a huge liability. Yeah. And so things like that, that are particular to those, those lines of business, um, you know, we do a lot of that, but then we do a lot of main street business. We do a lot of contractors. We do a lot of bonding, um, main street business that, Everybody wants, you know, we do a lot of that. It kind of depends when we bring an agent on, we typically choose to either send them, um, 
the train and purse lines or commercial lines. And then eventually you start to see where their specialization lies. You know, they start to have like a penchant for trucking or they start to have, you know, big habitational, you know, they, they get into a lot of referral situations with, with mortgages and rental property managers and stuff like that. So then they get into habitational, um, which God bless them right now. Anybody in habitational? Uh, um, yeah, that's, then, uh, that's me. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. And then, uh, yeah. I mean, we do a lot of it, but it becomes a struggle. And then, you know, then some of us are in college towns too, and that presents another issue all, all together. Uh, but then they, they tend to start to specialize in certain things that, that, um, you know, that they enjoy. And that's where they end up building their businesses because they find that, that little niche where that's like, Oh, I really like this. And then they grow from there. So, so we have personalized CSRs in every location, but our commercial team is kind of centralized where some of them are remote. Some of them are in different offices. Some of them might be in one location, but yet they might manage the commercial servicing for like two other locations or something like that. So that's more, more centralized, the commercial. So I want to ask a question about, and sorry, let me, uh, hit the little whoosh button to signify that we're changing subjects. Um, the tech stack. I know you said you're really into tech, and I'd love for you to just give us a big rundown. Uh, you know, high level is totally fine. Uh, of what your tech stack looks like, if there's any vendors that you're particularly fond of, feel free to give them uh, a shout out. Um, you know, I just thought of a little uh, thing that you could, if you wanted to have a podcast, you could call it the Vonda Fonda, and then just list out things that you're fond of. Uh, and you know, you know, companies or products that you're really into, you know, it's got a little bit of a catchy thing. Go ahead and throw something at me for the silly, stupid dad joke. But, uh, I caught myself. I was like, wait a second, Vonda fond of, wow, that kind of works, doesn't it? Uh, maybe not, but anyways, I definitely don't think I'll be starting a podcast anytime soon, but, uh, yeah. Um, interestingly enough, I'm actually just redoing the tech stack right now. Part of it is because we were at IAOA and, and I have a, and if nobody does this, everybody needs to do it today. Um, I stole this from Charles Cole, who has Crescent Insurance in, uh, uh, South Carolina. Um, but I have a, a spreadsheet that is my tech stack. And every piece of automation that I have is listed in that tech stack along with the pricing so that I know what I'm spending annually on this tech stack. Um, my tech stack is pretty close to probably $200,000. Now, that's also with my AMS and everything in there. Wow. Uh, so it's not a, a small investment. Um, but we're looking at it. And right now we're doing a really deep dive where we've done some demos and some things that we've been kind of on the fence on for the last two or three years. Uh, but they were ready to start pulling the trigger on some of those. But I am, Jay is a, a budget person. He's like really watches every dollar. So, um, and, and he's definitely like his mother talk about family dynamics. When we first got married, we, I went, he's got four older sisters and he's the baby, which already should tell you something. But I got invited to go grocery shopping with them one time and they had all these different ads that they were taking with them. And I went to buy, I think it was grapes. 
that I went to buy at a grocery store because it was on my list. I need to pick up grapes that day. And one of his sisters put her hand over my hand and oh, said, oh, don't buy them here. They're three cents a pound cheaper across, you know, over at the other grocery store. And I just kind of looked at her like three cents a pound. I'm only going to buy like three or four pounds. We're talking 12 cents and I have to drive all the way across town. Why would I want to do that? And they looked at me like I had three heads, literally. And I never got invited to go back shopping with them again. Wow. Um, so anyway, so he is the budget cruncher as far, or he's not the budget cruncher. He's just the bottom line. I want to see the bottom line. How much is this going to cost yep. me? And so then I go through and I, um, for instance, we just did a demo on Lightspeed Voice, which I know a lot of you, a lot of people out there use Lightspeed. Um, our vendor got bought out by GoTo. So, and I don't have any really complaints about it, but there's some features that I would really like to have that I don't have right now. Um, one is the way it records mm -hmm. the calls and I would like to have that be different. And that's because of last week on one of our triage conversations, we talked about one of the things that we could have documented better. If we would have had that phone call in our system documented better, we could have had that missing link where we had the insured say, yes, I need to add that to my commercial policy. Yep. Um, we had the facts, but so we, we had it, but that would have been one more piece that we could have had. So anyway, I've done the spreadsheet. Like I drilled down to the penny on this is what it'll cost us for this, for this many users. Uh, we have this much of a discount because of some affiliations and if we get rid of this and this, that'll be the savings. And so here's the bottom line of what switching to that will actually save us this amount of money and we'll get these features. Hmm. And so that's, I have to put those together before we go into a transfer of this tech stack. Um, so I'm actually doing that on three different, I'm looking at Wonderwrite and Lightspeed Voice and um, what's the third one? can't remember what third oh glove box okay and uh, and so but i have to look at what we have and what i can get rid of and that's the issue yeah. because every time before i go to any of these conferences i always look at my tech stack and like last year i was really good about somebody say well we can do this and i'm like okay i think agency zoom can do that so then i go back and I look at agency zoom. It's like agency zoom can already do this. I don't need some, you know, I don't need this and this and this. Yep. And so I think it's really important for everybody to have this list of your tech stack of what you pay for each piece so that you can really drill down. And, and cause I'll be getting rid of probably five different pieces on that tech stack. If I go to some of these others. So it's a real, it's a real analysis for, analysis for me. If I want to go through the pain of changing something, you know, what am I getting dollar wise, you know, what's going in, what's coming out. And then what features am I getting enhanced because of that, that change. So it's not like I, I wouldn't say I chase the shiny objects. I really analyze the hell out of those shiny objects to see if that's something that's going to fit within my tech stack. There's things in there. That I could probably tell you the things in my tech stack that I don't like probably easier than I can. The things that I do like, I do like agency zoom. I think agency zoom is very simple to use for people. I love the way it does the new business in the gaming format. Um, I have not uh, done the service pack because of some other things that I was looking at. Um, 
but I, I like the design of it, the design behind it. It's not just even what it does, it's the ease of use. And to me, that's huge. Because yeah. if it's not easy to use, we use Agency Revolution. Agency Revolution is not easy to use. Um, it is, I think their programming is cumbersome. And I understand some of the steps are to make sure that is this really what you want to do when you're unleashing this to the masses? But I've seen systems that are a lot better programming. And so then I start looking, drilling down past just like the what it does, but how you have to do, what you have to do, go through to get that to happen. Um, so ease of use is really a huge thing for me. Um, let's see what else is on my I, I got to say, I absolutely love that point because... You know, that is something that we say all the time around here. And I forget which one of our mutual friends uh, said it first. I've heard it from several people. The best insert here is the one you're going to use and, and use Absolutely. correctly. Now, if it's not easy and to use. And use it completely. How many times do you get a piece of tech in your, in your system and you're not even using it to, to the best of its ability? Yeah. And... So that's why you really need to ask questions of your of your own own vendors yeah. that you have. You know, I I never sign up for stuff. Well, I did once, but that was because uh, Jay got Jay and Christopher got into a room together, and I was in too late. But I don't usually sign up for anything at a a conference. I want to be able to to take that back and look and see what I have in my own tech stack and what I could do with that. And several of the things in the last couple of years I could do like with agency zoom or agency revolution or something like that. Um, it's, it's just really easy to whip out the credit card. And the problem is if you have these little chart, they, I usually try to do the annual pay. So I get the discounts and, um, those you forget about them. Yep. And so all of a sudden they show up on your credit card. I'm like, Oh crap. I didn't even remember I had that. Yeah. And so I got to get that canceled. And so that's why it's really important to have this on a tech stack because you look at that and it's like, oh my gosh, I still pay for this and I don't even use it. So I either need to use it, figure out what it was a benefit for, or I need to get rid of it. And so that tech stack is something that needs to come out about every quarter and be analyzed to make sure, number one, that it's complete, that it's still relevant, and that you can still do what you need to do out of it. So so the the point you make is is really fantastic about never buy anything at a conference. Uh, all of my friends out there in Vendorland would be hanging their head and going, no, 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 no. No, we spend really good money for those booths and we yeah. support innovation and all these I other ones. I, I And I appreciate that. And I didn't say that I'm, I, I may end up buying two pieces, at least two pieces of, of software from vendors yeah. at, from that, but I'm not going to do it on the spot. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I'm just not going to there's not going to be somebody that's i'm typically going to whip out my credit card and say here sign me up you know, um i want to know what i'm going to be able to do with it i need to analyze a little more you mentioned Wonderwrite, and i think they are a great example of one of those vendors we're really fond of Wonderwrite. they can do some very very cool things um, they're very useful uh, especially for someone that writes a lot of commercial and someone that writes a lot of ens very useful stuff there you know, you you compare them to the the other big options in their vertical, which is I believe Indium and uh, uh, Broker Buddha is the other one, and their price point's a lot better. Zywave. Uh, and, yeah, and of course the monster Zywave yeah. that has forty seven products. Um, so 
the, the folks at Wonder, I, I fired them too. You know, I made the mistake of making eye contact with the person at Zywave, and then I got the hard sell. And it was like, do you not see from my body language and facial expressions, I do not want to talk to you right now. He's like, hey, you want some socks? And they were pretty cool Superman socks. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll take some socks. Okay, great. Well, I'm going to talk your ear off for 12 minutes about crap you don't care about. It's like, man, I can can I not be in this conversation? Thankfully, every other vendor conversation was was you know polite and productive and whatnot. The, sorry, totally rabbit trailing there. The point I was going to make is Wonderwrite is that one vendor that sticks out to me as I'm certain we're not using it to nearly its full capability. You know, Peter and Joe and their team over there have a really cool product. And I'm 100% certain I'm not using it correctly. So, yeah. Well, I, I feel like we've got some really good com- personal lines tools in the fact that we use Risk Advisor. I think we were maybe like even the first agency that came in with David Watson. We yeah. kind of beta tested that one, uh, made some suggestions, told him you got to be able to allow us to have attachments on here. And he did, made that modification, things like that. Uh, that's how we interface with our, our VAs is to, you know, cause they're doing the quoting off of those. Um, so we've got some really good tools, I think on personal lines. And I think the Wonderite would help us beef up a little more on the commercial lines. Cause you know, we've got, we love, you know, mod advisor is a great improvement oh, yeah. from the other one that we were on. Uh, again, ease of use Todd does an amazing job of making sure it's, it's easy to use. Whereas before that was kind of an issue we had with, I would end up doing a lot of the other one presentations like at night because I would sit there and enter in all of the claims and stuff like that. And it was just hard to use, I think. So our, some of our service people were like, I don't know that I can even learn how to use that. And they're not as afraid of this one. This one is a lot easier. The agents go in, they pop something out of it. Um, So that one's, that one's good too. I think that's probably the next one I sign up for. And, I don't have any idea if Todd ever listens to any of this, but Todd, if you do, I love your product. I think it is very cool. I don't do enough work comp business yet uh, to make it worth whatever the the sign up cost. It's probably, I think it's like two grand a year, plus or minus, something close to that uh, for a, a, a user license. But I mean, my gosh, you sell one policy using Mod Advisor. You just paid for your year's license, and then it's a net, you know, net positive from that point on. Aside from the fact that Todd and their team at Mod Advisor are just really good people that want to, you know, advance the the industry and make things better for agents. Very personable. Yeah. And and we like we've we've always written a lot of comp, um, and so that's always we were using the other product for gosh probably ten years mm. uh, before this one. Um, yeah, right out about. No, I I feel ten, like ten applied well. and Vertifor invited Zywave to the acquisition party. You know, for the longest time, you know, applied and Vertifor were buying up everybody, and then Zywave started, you know, the buying spree. And um, and our mutual friend, Mister Carruthers, was on uh, Modmaster for a long time, and then made the move to Magic. And then, well, Dadgummit, Zywave goes out and buys Magic. It was like. Todd, you've got to promise me. I know you're starting this whole Mod Advisor thing. You've got to promise you're not going to sell to Zywave for at least three years. No, and he laughed, and um, you know, obviously they're going to do whatever is best, you know, for you know right. their mission and whatnot. It, it's always interesting in the tech side of things with dealing with the whole M and A thing. Um, you know, with Tarmica as a great example. I don't know if you use Tarmica. 
Um, no. But the, you know their commercial comparative raider and you know Ragov and Chris Lane and the team over there. You know we've featured Tarmica on this podcast, and then Applied buys them, and everyone's sitting there with a big question mark going. Is Applied actually going to use Tarmica or are they going to get the Tech Canary treatment where Applied buys them and then puts yeah. them on the shelf and you never hear from them again? So, yeah. anyways, uh, that, that's, this, yeah. Whole, this whole conversation I knew was going to get nuanced and interesting with you, Vonda. <laughs> now, it, you're, you're sneaky tech lady. You look at Vonda Copeland and you think, oh, she's, a, you know, she's you know, been in the game for a long time. You know, she's in Kansas. No, she probably doesn't care too much about that tech stuff. Nope, you'd be wrong. So yeah, I love it. That's my favorite part of the game. Awesome. Any any last thoughts before we land the plane? Anything we missed that you want to talk about? Um, nope, I don't think so. Man, this has just been a fantastic, engaging conversation. I really appreciate you giving us some of your valuable time. I had no idea you had nine locations and fifty something employees. That is incredible. You you are a humble lady. I never got the feeling that you were this much of a You're badass. The, you know, we're the, the sleeper one out there. Yeah, apparently. I had no idea. Good for yeah. you. That's fantastic. Uh, and this is, I guess, the end of another episode. Uh, that's it for uh, my guest, Vonda Copeland. Uh, real quick, Vonda, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, if you just sparked uh, interest or a question or something and somebody wants to reach out, what's the best way for them to to get in communication with you? Uh, you can, oh, any, any of the social media, you can hit me up on LinkedIn. I, I respond if you're a real person, you know, not somebody that just linked up to me just to spam me. Yep. Uh, or you can email me at Vonda at copelandins.com. Cool. I guarantee you somebody is going to listen to this episode and go, ooh, I need to talk to her. So there you go. Whoever that is that wants to talk to Vonda Copeland, there you go. And that's it for another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. Make it a great day, boys and girls. We'll talk to you again real soon. Y'all take care. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite platform to get automatic updates with every new episode and help other people find us. If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share AFP with someone you know who is still in captivity. They'll thank you later. Visit our website at agencyfreedom.com to get access to exclusive content and announcements. Join our community on Facebook by typing in Agency Freedom in the search bar. Send your questions, comments, guest recommendations, and favorite grilling recipes to us at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Until next time, let's go.